Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Carissa Carbon. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. Did you did you actually grow up there as well? No, actually, uh, it's so funny you ask that. When people ask me where I'm from, my typical answer is everywhere and nowhere. I was not a military brat, but uh, my mom raised me as a single parent, and I was an only child, so it was just the two of us, and we bounced around to quite a few different places. So primarily, I would say I grew up in the South, the Southeast in the Carolinas, but I was born in Hawaii, lived in California, Florida, uh, all over the place, and only moved out to Colorado a little over two years ago. Wow. I I guess I can see why you enjoy camping. (laughs) I do. Absolutely. Uh, Formative experiences as a young child, uh, living in an RV temporarily. And I just love being outdoors. So I typically say I'm a global citizen. I'm from, I'm from earth. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what did you see as a child for yourself growing up we all have our dreams and I remember growing up myself as a young kid the grown-ups would ask you know what are you going to do when you grow up what do you want to be and you give them you know an answer and I know Mm -hmm. some kids have a really clear-cut definitive uh, direction they want to take and they know where where they want to go some but by and large a lot of people don't really know what was your experience Oh my gosh, I was definitely on the the latter side of that. I, you know, I was actually really jealous of my friends who I have one in particular, to your point, she knew at age five, she wanted to be a lawyer. She grew up, went to the exact school she thought she wanted to go to. And she has been a lawyer for 15 or 20 years at this point. So uh, I was always jealous of that. I always envied that sense of clarity. And that was not my experience at all. I put a lot of pressure on myself to figure that out early on because exactly to your point, we constantly ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? So I put all this pressure on myself and I felt a lot of internal turmoil because I didn't have that answer. And so as I grew up, uh, one of the books that I read, it was by Liz Gilbert. It's called Big Magic. And one of the ideas that I really loved in this that kind of helped take some of the pressure off my own shoulders was not follow your passion, but follow your curiosity. Uh, so I read that probably about 12, 10 or 12 years ago. And it really stuck with me because instead of trying to figure out the end all be all of what exactly my career was going to look like from now until I retire, I just started to kind of pull on these threads of curiosity. And I said, you know what, that role sounds really interesting. And I have some skills, but I could pick up some new skills in this. And it sounds fun. And I could learn a lot. So I would try something. And as I kept following those curiosities, it felt almost like a pendulum, where at first, the swing of the pendulum from left to right was very broad. It was, you know, from one end to the other, I was trying a lot. And as I kept following those curiosities, the swing in the pendulum became a little less and a little less. And so I have been able to through a lot of different experiences, really hone in on, okay, I like this. I'm going to pull on this thread a little more. Not so much over here. That's okay. Um, And so that has really helped me 
have not only a diverse set of experiences that I'm incredibly grateful for now, but now I actually do have that clarity of what I like to call my life's work. And it wasn't uh, easy. I didn't know as a kid, but now I'm very grateful to have that sense of clarity. When you were a kid, was there anything that stood out to you about yourself? Were you a follower? Were you inquisitive? Any specific gifts that you can look back on that was operating then that you didn't really know how to take it possibly and you utilizing it right now as an adult? Absolutely. I have several, but the one that really stands out to me as you ask that question is really my adaptability. Something that, as I mentioned, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I was constantly the new kid. I had to make new friends all the time. This was in the era before social media. So I didn't really keep in touch with people when I moved. And so I was constantly in new circles, meeting new people and adapting. And I think I kind of just assumed that that was how everyone was. Uh, And what I have learned since as an adult is I've taken that trait, that ability to talk to anyone, any room, anywhere. I've brought that into my career. I love, I'm perfectly comfortable talking to executives in the C-suite. I'm perfectly comfortable talking to the person who refills the coffee in the break room. I love meeting new people, learning their story, and I'm genuinely interested. And so that adaptability and that willingness to connect with anyone anywhere has really served me. And I didn't see that coming when I was a kid. Now, you're a leadership coach. What is your unconventional approach to excelling in business? Mm. I love that question. I, for me, I I consider it unconventional because typically when we think about leadership, especially in, I'll say the corporate setting, that's where a lot of my experience is in the corporate setting. We tend to think of leadership as an external relationship. If I'm a leader, then my leadership capabilities depend on my ability to influence, guide, empower all of these different things, other people. And so the unconventional approach that I take is taking that lens and turning it inward. I think as human beings in this uh, wild ride called life, we often don't realize the experiences, the stories in our head, the conditioning that we've undergone, how our upbringing and our traumatic experiences from our past, we're carrying those with us every single day. So what I do with clients is I help them kind of zoom out and look at their thoughts, their stories, their beliefs about themselves, the conditioning, and really start to kind of deprogram and engage in a practice of what's known as individuation, this idea of kind of separating your identity from your group affiliations, you know, whether it's family, religion, your work title, whatever that is, really helping people to recognize that they are behind all of that. The essence of who they are, the core of their being is not the roles that they play in their life. It's not the titles they have. It's not the work projects that have deadlines. We are the magic behind all of that. So it's really an unconventional approach in that I help people go inward. So before they go out and lead other people or while they're leading other people already, We really help focus inward so that they can, what I call, become the true leader of their own lives in order to lead others more powerfully. So in that process, 
are there obstacles that they have to overcome internally that will really showcase their, uh, I guess, their true self? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's definitely an adventure and a journey. And it looks very, very different for every single person. There are obviously some similar types of experiences, but two different people who go through the same experience, whether they're siblings being raised in the same household or just random people off the street, even with a similar experience, the stories that they tell themselves or the assumptions that they make or the programs that get written into their subconscious will look very different. And so what I do is I help take people on a very customized, unique journey to themselves. And we start looking at childhood experiences and the fears, the doubts, the insecurities that are holding them back from, let's say, going for that new position or that promotion, from picking up the new hobby that they've always wanted to start, from traveling to some far reaches of the earth because they're afraid to get out of their comfort zone and what they've known. Uh, I really help people to overcome those internal obstacles so that it can then overcome external obstacles. I believe every soldier, every colonel has a scar. Now, what was your scar that you had to overcome that allowed you to really dominate within you and gave you the confidence now to be able to help others? I have a lot of scars, <laughs> uh, I would say. But the one that's really biggest, I would say, the one that set me on the path that I've been on for the last decade or so was going through a divorce. Uh, I got married very young. I was 22, you know, just out of college. I think I got married less than a month after I graduated college. As I mentioned, a lot of my upbringing happened in the Southeast, and there was a very much a culture of you go, grow up, you go to college, and then you get married, you have kids, you have the white picket fence. And so what I did was I was very good at checking those boxes. I did really well in school. I graduated with almost a 4.0 in my engineering undergrad, you know, was very good at, okay, check this box, achieve this, achieve that. And I, for so much of my life, was operating under this assumption that if I check all the right boxes, then I will be happy and fulfilled. And what I found after getting married in my early 20s was, okay, I've checked all the boxes. I've got the house, the career, the college degree, the husband, all of those things, and I'm miserable inside. And so for me, what really set me on this journey was going through and finding not only the courage to stand in my truth, that this was not the right marriage for me to be in, and also the willingness to say, you know what, if people are going to think poorly of me or think that I've failed, or if this impacts the rest of my life, that's okay. So for me, it was really having the courage to own and stand in my truth and proceed with a divorce when it was really challenging that status quo or that expectation. And so that's what had me kind of start listening to that inner voice of, okay, I've done all the things I was quote unquote supposed to do. I've checked all the boxes that didn't work. So let me try something different. So that's when I really started going inward and listening to that inner voice of what is the life that I want to create that will make me truly happy and fulfilled. Was that a scary process for you? 
hell yes. <laughs> uh, of course I can laugh about it now, but I mean, honestly, there was, there was really nothing to laugh about in that moment. I mean, it was a decade ago, so I am very grateful to have done a lot of healing and I have a lot of distance from that experience, but it was incredibly difficult and traumatic, you know, living through and really, it really shook my entire identity. I, I thought, well, gosh, I, I thought I was supposed to check all these boxes. Who am I if I'm not checking boxes? Who am I if I'm not achieving? And I had really bought into this idea that I am what I do. I am what I achieve, right? So I had I tied my worthiness to my accomplishments. So really kind of reprogramming was incredibly challenging um, and a really long and difficult process. But having the courage to go through it has made all the difference. My life is so much better than I even could have imagined coming from that dark place 10 years ago. Did you have any support system during that time? Fortunately, yes. I had my mom who I'm very close with. She was very worried about me. She actually says that she saw near the end of my marriage, she got very worried because that, that joy of life that I had always had that enthusiasm she saw that fading in me and she got very worried. So she was there to support me. I have incredible friends and now I'm actually remarried. I have an amazing husband. Um, and so, yes, I'm very grateful to have a lot of people who supported me and were in my corner. That's great to know because sometimes people may go through things and they may not allow others to be system for them because they think they may have to do it all and they have these stories as you were talking about not long ago that they tell themselves mm -hmm. and whatever we you know we say to ourselves we will believe whatever we keep telling ourselves we'll be persuaded by it but we do that like we talk to ourselves all the time, but we do it in a way that we're not consciously aware of it and don't realize the impact that it's having on our lives and steering our lives in a particular direction because we think between 50 to 70,000 thoughts in a day. And mm -hmm. most of those are repetitive, as you know, people know. But we have to be, have this conscious awareness and allow people to help us if that's the lot that we have. I, you know, when you think about it, we are community creatures as human beings. We are not the strongest, the fastest. We don't have, you know, sharp claws or really strong teeth. I mean, we are not very good when it comes to defending ourselves by ourselves. And what has really created the success of the human race is our ability to connect with one another, to provide support, to be in community with each other. So I absolutely believe in asking for help, receiving help. And to your point about those stories, they are so incredibly impactful. And I think the other thing that oftentimes we don't realize is we have the power to change those stories and those thoughts. They are not fixed they are mutable and we can grow, we can adapt, we can change. And if asking for help is something you struggle with, uh, I encourage you, please, please reach out to someone. Reach out to me if you need a, someone to add to your support system. I so believe in the power of community and support and I wouldn't be where I am today without it. So what are some attributes that may let someone know they are a leader? 
Hmm. Those, those, that's a really good question. So many thoughts are racing through my mind. I think I'll start by saying, uh, what I think doesn't make you a leader. How about that? I think those are some, those are some good traits and then we'll kind of bounce over to the traits that do make you a leader. So what I would say is again, going back to that kind of narrative that, we're supposed to check these certain boxes. Uh, I know a lot of people, myself included, right? As I started my career, I thought, okay, I need to climb the ladder. And at some point that involves moving into a leadership position. And so I would say that simply having the title, uh, um, this won't be new to anybody hopefully, but having just the leadership title does not make you a leader. And when you think about your motivation to get into leadership, that's where I think there's a true differentiation. If your motivation to get into leadership is to have more money in the bank account, to have the status that comes with a bigger title, if it's to uh, be able to control other people or to exert your will on other people, uh, I would say those are red flag traits, attributes, not to say you can't want more money or more status in addition to um, some other motivating factors. But if your primary reason to want to get into leadership is more because of the impact it will have on you, if that orientation is on you, then I would encourage you to think very strongly and reconsider getting into a leadership position. Um, Because what I think when it comes to making a leader and those attributes, I think curiosity, um, I think love, And I know that's a strange term to hear in the context of business, but I think we're truly moving through a new era. Uh, I don't call it the great resignation. I call it the great awakening. I think we are waking up to the idea that we are human beings. We are whole human beings in work. So I think love and I think accountability and vision and play. I think there are a lot of different attributes that can make you a leader. But for me, I really subscribe to Uh, servant leadership and transformational leadership are kind of the two schools of thought that I really align to. So getting into a leadership position in order to serve, in order to have a positive impact, in order to empower the people on your team, in order to care for them and protect them. um, I really, I really strongly believe in service. So you mentioned just now and also earlier, you talked about curiosity Could you define curiosity for us? Yeah, absolutely. For me, curiosity is a willingness to recognize, one, that we can't know it all. There's no way for one person to know it all. And so I think it's a willingness to and a thirst to want to learn more about the world around you, about your own inner world, a willingness to continue learning and growing and abandoning the idea that we will ever finish in terms of whether it's growth, whether it's becoming the person that we're meant to be. For me, that is a dynamic and ongoing process. Um, And so I think there's a lot of ego that can be wrapped up in curiosity as well. We kind of tell ourselves, I'm supposed to have the answers because I'm a leader. When really it's, you know, I don't have all the answers. I am happy to share my perspective I have my lived experience, 
But that to me is such the beauty of being a leader when we can find others who have different experiences and really celebrate those and cherish the fact that not everyone thinks the same way that we do and not everyone has the same experiences. So I think for me, curiosity is a willingness to put your ego aside and celebrate that you don't know everything. Other people will have different perspectives. They'll know more about some things, less about others. And just a desire to celebrate that. And that gives the leader when they don't know something instead of being in their mindset, having their mindset of, oh, I must know everything. I must do this. I must do that. That's the excellent opportunity to empower someone else. But it takes being um, humble in a way to realize that, okay, it's okay that you don't know everything because someone else is not needed if we knew everything. That's Mm -hmm. why we have so many people on the earth. Everyone has a different perspective. So that's a perfect opportunity when I heard you talking for the leader to empower others, because I heard you talked, you say earlier, you were saying something about leadership and empowering others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's so crucial and such a beautiful shift that we get to make. Uh, I'm very much on the train of this paradigm shift in how we think about work, how we think about leadership, and what a sigh of relief, right, as a leader, if now you don't need to have all the answers, you don't need to know exactly how everything's going to be done. Um, I heard a great quote recently, when you know how to get there, you manage. When you don't know how to get there, you lead. And I love that differentiation because the world we're living in today is completely unprecedented, right? And there's no way to know exactly where we're going. And so this idea of needing to have all the answers, putting all the pressure on yourself, I can't imagine how tough that is as a leader. If you're still thinking that, if you think you have to have all the answers and you have to tell people exactly what to do, not only are you disempowering your people by not giving them the autonomy, the ability to innovate, be creative, be disruptive, but also you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself in what I would say is an impossible situation. We can't know everything. We can't know exactly what to do because nobody does in these days. Okay. So define another word for us. How would you define introspection? Mm, Introspection. You know, I think as we talk a lot these days about self-care and wellness, I'm glad to see that there's a a body of work where people are saying, you know what, self-care is not just bubble baths. You know, it's not just giving yourself a day off. Um, And so I think for me, introspection is really tied to self-care. Introspection is that willingness to go in and Again, the curiosity will come up, get curious when we have those thoughts or those stories that we're telling ourselves, just stopping for a second to say, why am I thinking this way? Where did this story come from? Was there an experience in my past that made me believe this thing about myself? Um, And so I think introspection is very much an exercise in self-care to go inward and just ask yourself, why do I believe that? Where does that come from? Is that really true? Can I prove it? Um, So I think those questions are really great. And then a willingness to also let go of 
some of those thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. And I know change can be very scary, right? We don't like change. We like for things to be predictable and safe. But when you think about the human experience, nothing stays the same. Nothing is predictable or totally safe. And what I find is the longer we fight against that reality, the more harm that we do ourselves. When we're willing to move out of the way of that resistance and simply say, okay, I'm going to stop fighting this and I'm going to start asking the questions, then we can create shifts in our beliefs, our mindset, and our actions. It's almost like going back to the beginning, going, uh, being childlike because that's one of the most curious uh, curious times that we have curiosity we're asking questions mom dad or whoever how does this work why is the sky blue all of these different questions because everything is so new we're open mm. open to everything but when we become adults or teenagers adults and growing up certain things get put in the way and block that flow and all these different things, these stories we tell ourselves and we limit ourselves. And like you were saying, we have to let go and be able to, everything is not, uh, we can't control everything. So we have to learn to be open and go with the flow. And when we're able to do that, we can find ourselves smack dab in the middle of where we're supposed to be. Mm, absolutely. Um, as you were talking about things we can't control, uh, I thought of a really specific story that I'd love to share in terms of part of my own journey when it comes to introspection and healing that I think might hopefully resonate, but certainly serve as an example of what we're talking about here. As I grew up, as I've mentioned earlier, I moved around a lot. And so my experience as a child, and back to your point, Maurice, about going back to the beginning, right? As a child, I constantly felt out of control. I, the story that I created in my mind was that my mom was constantly moving me around. I didn't have a say. I didn't have a choice. I wasn't in control. And so what I realized much later, this did not happen in real time. All of these uh, insights and epiphanies are much, much later. Um, but what I realized uh, later was that the story, the subconscious story that I had written in response to feeling completely out of control, the story that I wrote into my subconscious was, I will then control everything so that I'm no longer being controlled. So as I came into adulthood in my late teens, early 20s, even into my mid 20s, I had this subconscious program of wanting to control everything around me. So I had very high expectations. I wanted people to respond to things the way I would respond to them. I wanted to be consulted on every decision because I had so much resistance to the notion of somebody else trying to control me. And the result of this subconscious story before I was aware of it, before I healed and was able to release it was I got called aggressive. I was called controlling. I was domineering. And you can imagine uh, some of the other <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, colorful names that were used to describe me, um, especially in the work setting. And it was so interesting because I felt completely misunderstood. 
I would have people make these assumptions about, oh, I was just out to get ahead. I didn't care about anybody else. I just wanted to step on people to move up the ladder. And it was really hard for me to understand why do people think this about me? That is so far from my true motivation. And as that introspection, as I started doing this inner work and I finally confronted that story, I thought, oh my gosh, no wonder people think that about me because the story that is controlling my life is that I need to be in control all of the time. And that was showing up everywhere, whether I liked it or not. And so once I was able to confront that story and I realized this isn't how I want to live my life. I don't want people to feel that I'm trying to control them or or that I don't care about them. I decided, okay, I'm going to shift my mindset. I'm going to shift my beliefs and I'm going to shift my behaviors. And so as a result, now people don't say I'm controlling because I've released a lot of that desire. It still comes in every once in a while. It's a very deep seated program. Uh, (laughs) When my husband loads the dishwasher, you know, I, I have to keep that in check and say, okay, you know what? I don't need to control this. It's okay if he loads the dishwasher because at least he's loading it. (laughs) So I'm able to really check those tendencies and, you know, look out for those triggers where those old programs come up. So that's, that's a perfect example of a story that I didn't know I was holding on to in my subconscious that I have since been able to release and change. Yes, it is a great story. You know, you could have easily also not do anything, just stand pat and just be resistant. And you will be in that same space spinning around and around and your life will be going nowhere. And it's so easy to blame others, to Mm. look outside. You know, uh, there are so many people, and some who are listening even right now, they are in this space, and they've been telling themselves a story, as you have been telling, all everybody is telling themselves a story. And this story is negative to you. And it's not benefiting you at all, but it's like lioness just dragging around that blanket because it's comforting, even though it doesn't benefit. This stinky blanket does not benefit. It's still a place of comfort. But until you are able to release that and put it in the washer, so to speak, and create something new, clean, in yourself, within yourself, but everything starts and emanates from the inside. It may appear that uh, it emanates from the outside. This person did that, this situation, but the inner workings is what produces what we see. Everything that is the unseen, I should say, creates everything that we see. So we have to take the courage Be courageous and go for that which we desire to be, to express. It's within us, but we have to do the inner work. Mm. Beautifully, beautifully said, Maurice. I couldn't agree more. I think one thing that I would say is this this is a language thing I usually work with my clients on is that idea of we have to. Right. And I think that you pointed out, I don't, I don't have to do this work, right? None of us have to, we are free to continue spinning our wheels. We are free to continue blaming other people and making excuses. And there's, there is a comfort in that. I love that analogy of Linus's blanket. Um, I love that Charlie Brown reference, but I think, you know, when we think about, we don't have to. And so when we say what I usually coach clients on is we get to, 
So mm. it can be scary and we might scrape our knees, we might fall on our face, but we get to confront these stories because while it may feel comforting to think, you know, it's not my fault, it's someone else's fault, it feels great to point a finger and to not feel like we are responsible. What I help clients do is one, take that responsibility, but two, stop assigning blame, right? It's not your fault, it's not my fault, it is. And when we can really start to embrace the neutrality of what exists around us, and then we can ask ourselves, so what do I wanna do about it? It is what it is. What do I do now? That is a beautiful opportunity. And it does take courage, as you said, but to take responsibility for our lives and to say, you know what, this isn't serving me. I'm going to consciously and intentionally change something about how I'm thinking, how I'm behaving, whatever it is, in order to create a new result. Because uh, I love the quote, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so I think that's something that, you know, oftentimes we go through and we say, well, why isn't anything changing? But if we are willing to turn that focus inward and say, what can I change within myself? I absolutely agree with what you were saying. Everything outside of us will change as a result. Yes. I mean, it's, it's so empowering. It may feel scary to Mm -hmm. take, you know, our life we we are the catalyst so it may seem scary but it's the most empowering thing that you can do because if i'm always if it's always somebody else did this or did that i could never change my life there's nothing could change my life i'm always dependent on someone else but as long as i can say okay as you were saying what can i do now and i i have this Yes, that divorce happened. Yes, that person slighted you. Yes, that person stole your money. Now what? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's, it's, yeah, now what is such an important question that we can ask. Yes, it, it is. And so you are, you know, you're certified in ethical and inclusion. Yes, certif- I'm certified in ethical and inclusive leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay, inclusive leadership. So what exactly is that? How would you define that? It's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot wrapped up in that, as I'm sure you are very aware, as well as many of the listeners right now, uh, you know, the whole idea of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, accessibility, these are very important topics. And What I love to work with clients on is to, uh, again, what I say is unplug from the matrix, right? To recognize these programs and the conditioning that we've undergone. And also what is evolutionarily our default, right? And so we are, by default, afraid of people or anything that is different from us. Anything that's unknown, anything that's unfamiliar could pose a potential danger. However, We also know, uh, for instance, that we love to eat sugar and that we are wired to eat as much sugar as we can get our hands on. Excuse me. But what we most of us have learned now Mm -hmm. is if we just eat all the sugar we can. Bad things will happen right to our health, to our physique, to our life, whatever it is. And so similar to 
that urge that we can overcome to not continue eating sugar, we can also overcome the urge to be skeptical or to be afraid of things that are different from us. And so, so much of this ethical and inclusive leadership pillar is doing some of this inner work, right? The emotional intelligence, the self-awareness, it all starts there. And then it's also about rewiring us to recognize that we are better when we are with people who challenge us, who inspire us, who support us. And we also innovate at a much faster rate when we don't have people who all think the same way as us. And so a lot of this ethical and inclusive leadership is about confronting old stigmas, old systems, old ways of being, old ways of doing business and saying, you know what, this no longer serves us. So it's just like that blanket analogy, Linus's blanket. We are really looking to put that blanket in the wash or donate it to the goodwill, you know, whatever we need to do in order to usher in a new age of leadership. So are you on social media? I sure am. I love social media. I love staying connected. I love hearing from people. I post a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, You can just search my name, Carissa Carbon. If you can get the spelling right, that's the hardest part. Um, And then I'm also on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time, at Carissa Carbon. Again, if you can get the spelling right, you're golden. Um, But I love to interact. I love to hear from people. I do a lot of lives. I do, you know, ask me anything. I really want to engage people and make sure that I'm using my expertise and experience, not just for my own benefit, but to help others. So I would love to connect with anyone on social media. Are you working on anything on anything right now as far as books, a, a book or anything else curriculum? You know, I actually am. I'm actually working right now on a very short ebook um, and it's called the leader's survival guide to the great resignation um, it's very short because I, I know that leaders are very busy right you know the idea of a giant ebook they are they're gonna download it and it's gonna sit on their desktop forever and never get opened um, so the idea behind this ebook is, There is some philosophy of this idea of the paradigm shift, where we're headed in leadership, but then it's chock full of tangible journal prompts, exercises, activities you can do with your team to really build trust within your team, to build loyalty, because I know a lot of leaders right now are facing attrition on their teams as people are bouncing around to different companies, questioning the life that they want, the work that they want to do, all of that. So that is currently what I'm working on. I really appreciate you saying that you're making it short and concise (laughs) because it it matters. Um, I'm, I'm sure people have, you know, gotten books and they intend to read it and it's four or five hundred pages and you know (laughs) they may not be as inspired to read it through you know but something small definitely helps and it gives you that courage I can do this even you know 30 pages 50 100 I can do it so that's really good to hear Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing that I love about it is that it is action oriented because I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of experiences where let's say I watch a TED talk. It's not even a whole book or something that's really big, just a 20 minute TED talk. And I say, yes, I love those ideas. I totally agree. But going back to the question you asked earlier, now what? You know, okay, fine. I'm inspired. I have these great ideas, but I don't know how to put them into practice. So that's why this is much more Uh, action-oriented, very tangible things that you can do directly with your team starting next week. 
What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? You know, a lesson that I have been leaning into very hard over the last, I'll say, six months or so that I think is uh, top of mind for a lot of people is this idea of slowing down. What I realized is I was pretty good at giving myself physical rest, but not good at giving myself mental rest. Uh, when I, even when I was physically resting, I'd be watching Netflix or reading a book or whatever it was. My mind was constantly going, going, going of what am I going to do next? What am I going to do tomorrow? What do I need to do next week? And so slowing down to really focus on being present, letting go of my to-do list. Um, I think what I've noticed the most is that the sense of urgency with which we tend to live our lives is manufactured. There's actually nothing. I mean, obviously we have business deadlines. We have, you know, work things. There are constrained uh, deadlines and senses of urgency. But when you think about collectively the rush, 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 and the get to the next thing, it's all made up. It's all conditioning because we have been taught to think and believe that our worthiness is tied to our accomplishments. If I could just get that title, get that promotion, I will be worthy. I will be fulfilled. And so what I would love to leave the audience with is this idea of have, do, be versus be, do, have. And very quickly what that means is we tend to believe if I could just have this thing, whether it's the promotion, losing 10 pounds, whatever it is, if I could have that, then I could do this other thing that I want in order to be happy, fulfilled, content, whatever it is. However, the true equation is be, do, have. We actually need to be it, embody it in that belief so that we can do the action required to have the thing that we want. So I encourage everyone to consider flipping that equation and ask yourself, how can I be in such a way that will allow me to do and to have the things that I want? Thank you for listening to the new mind creator podcast with your host, Maurice, the new mind creator. This podcast has been sponsored by abundant sports and true serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.